Welcome today to Morning Glory. Why don't you grab your Bibles and meet me in a very, very interesting chapter, which is Matthew chapter 20. We're going to talk today about the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And this is a parable that's put a lot of good commentators uh, under uh, moments of duress and pressure of trying to figure out perhaps the most difficult parable that the Lord spoke. We're going to jump into it in just a moment. Let me remind you also that we have our Israel tour brochure available for your viewing online. And this is the best of Israel 2018. Uh, our dates are going to be in the month of May 2018. And my wife and I, we would love for you to come along and join us on a tour of the Holy Land. 11 days together experiencing the very best of Israel. And if you would like more information, why don't you just go to my website after the message today and you can click on the link that says Israel tour. You can open up the brochure and view it online. And if you want, just print a copy out and that way you have the full tour itinerary. Okay. So uh, the dates May 20th through the 30th, two thousand and 18. Go ahead and uh, get registered. It only costs $300 to register. Get signed up and get ready, and let's go to Israel together in the month of May. It's going to be a lot of fun. Praise God. Now, today, Matthew chapter 20. Heavenly Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come and give illumination to the Holy Scriptures. Thank you, Father, for the ministry of your Holy Spirit helping us to understand your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say amen. Praise God. Matthew chapter 20 is the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And what makes this parable difficult to understand is that in Matthew's gospel, he's the only one that actually records this parable. So it's not mentioned in Mark, Luke, or John. Not only does that make it more difficult for us, but the fact that on this parable, after the Lord spoke it, he never gave an interpretation for it. Now, there's other parables like one of my favorites, which would be the sower of the seed, sowing the seed on the four different conditions of soil. And then later, you know, the apostles, they came and said, hey, um, can you can you give us the meaning of that? And, and so the Lord did. And so there are some parables. He just absolutely broke them down into my into minute detail, giving full explanation of what he meant on every little detail. But on this one, the parable of the workers in the vineyard, uh, he doesn't give any explanation for it at all. And if you were to go to Google and just type in Matthew chapter 20, verse 1, and then type in the word commentary next to it, you're going to pull up a lot of commentaries. And uh, you'll notice there's a lot of theologians that they just, uh, they try to give a good interpretation. But uh for, you know, I'd say maybe only out of one out of maybe 30 commentaries, I, f I think gets it right because a lot of the good commentators, they're trying to make this a contrast between law and grace. And there are really good parables. I think the greatest parable would be the, the one of the 
of the young man that ran off and he he left home and then you know the elder brother stays and eventually it says after the younger one comes to his senses while he's been out partying and uh, uh, going burning through his dad's money or his his allotment in life his inheritance well he eventually comes back so it's known as the story of the prodigal son a great great parable but here on this one uh, this is very very interesting because this is not really a contrast between law and grace if you try to apply that here uh, like you can in the other one with the two brothers uh, uh, it won't work in this story so there's something very very interesting about the parable of the workers in the in the vineyard and uh, you know if you just read through it and you take this parable at face value uh, you'll think that Jesus was a socialist, or you'll think that Jesus was the founder of the Communist Party. <laughs> but look, this parable is not a business model, not by any means. This is not a uh, uh, this was not a parable meant to destroy capitalism or something like that. No, this this is not anything to do with the teaching on finances or something like that. This this is a parable. What is a parable? It is a story. It's not even a real story. It's like a created story that has a hidden meaning. So what we want to do is pull out this meaning that has stumped a lot of really good commentators and try to find out what in the Lord, uh, uh, what, what in the world was the Lord talking about when he gave such an unusual teaching. Well, as in many things, you'll find out in life that if you keep a story in context, you can begin to solve it. If there's a crime and you come on the scene of the crime, you, you don't move anything. You let the investigators come in and they begin to study everything in context, the context of how it it was all there when they came on the scene. Don't you can't move anything. It can change the context. Same thing in archaeology. Uh, if you if you find something, you have to leave it there in what's called situ, in situ, and that that means it's not disturbed. If you disturb it, then you you've wrecked the context. You know there was a wine vat that was discovered a few years back by a couple of uh, young Israeli boys. And they were so excited about their discovery of a real wine vat that was thousands and thousands of years old. They were so excited that they they cleaned it all out. They took all the dirt, all the debris, and shoveled it all out and just, you know, threw it to the side. And then they called, you know, the archaeologists and said, come, come look what we found. Oh, and the archaeologists showed up. They were just their heads dropped, and they were just like, "Oh, you you've ruined it." You know, we, I'm sorry, kids. It's great that you found this, but you have changed the context. We we have to, in other words, no, to really know what's what uh, we have here. We got. We have to go through every little layer of soil. We can't just shovel all this out and that. Like you know, this is an excavation project. It must be done with a science behind it. You have to go with the context of the setting, really, to unlock Matthew chapter twenty, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. You have to know Matthew chapter nineteen really well, and then this whole theme carries on even into Matthew chapter 21, even all the way to Matthew chapter 22. I'm telling you what, there's times when the Lord started talking 
And he didn't stop for quite some time. And Matthew's uh, record of this is really, really good. So in order for us to gain an understanding of the parable of the workers in the vineyard, let me just set it up briefly by sharing with you what took place in Matthew chapter 19. The story of the rich young ruler. The young man comes running to the Lord and then kneels before the Lord and says, basically, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Well, that would be in Matthew chapter 19, and that would be verse 16. It says, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life. So the Lord just kind of goes over some of the basics, you know, just briefly going down the the list of the Ten Commandments. And this young man says, well, I, uh, you know, Lord, I've kept all of these from my youth. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm good to go on everything. But in his heart, he knew that he was still missing something. So uh, verse 21, Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, Go, sell what you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. By the way, when the Lord instructed him to do that, and when the Lord said, Come, follow me, it's not a suggestion. This is now a commandment. Very interesting. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Okay, so the apostles are watching this take place, and, you know, the the young man leaves. And the gears are turning in Peter's mind. I I think they're probably turning in the minds of the other men as well that were standing around watching this. And Peter basically says, hey, uh, Lord, um, you know, it's too bad he left, Uh, you know, had a lot of potential. Uh, But by the way, we're still here. When you called us, we dropped everything. I'm talking dropping fishing nets, leaving everything. So you had Peter and Andrew left on the spot. When the Lord said, follow me, they left their boats on the spot. He goes further. The Lord goes further and sees James and John. They're also two brothers, just like Peter and Andrew were. He sees James and John, says, follow me. And they leave on the spot. And even leave, they just, they basically told their dad, hey, dad, we got to respond to this. And Zebedee, you know, said, oh, yeah, okay, boys, you know, go for it. And so they left the the whole fishing business with their dad. So, you know, those guys are thinking, hey, you know, the rich young ruler walked away. We did not walk away. We're still here. What's in it for us? And it's good to read that and know about that context before Matthew chapter 20. Now, the Lord responds to Peter and to the guys that are there, his apostles, and he says, You who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, I believe when that rich young ruler heard the Lord pinpoint the very thing that he needed to do, I believe that the young man should have said, okay, uh, I've got a lot to unload uh, give me a couple of days because, because on the weekend, I'm going to have a massive garage sale. And because the Lord said, unload all of it. He said, he said, sell all of it, take all of that money and give it to the poor. Okay. So this guy's a lot of wealth. And when you have a lot of wealth, um, it, it could take a little while to clear it out. So he's basically saying, you know, it, let's say he would have said yes. 
it, it would have been the type of thing, okay, if I've got to sell all this off, I've got to sell my Rolls Royce, I've got a Lamborghini, I've got to sell that, uh, I've got a 17,000 square foot mansion, I've got to sell that, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell it quick, and then I'm going to take all the money. I know some uh, good uh, ministries that will take care of the poor, and I'm going to—I'm just going to give it to them, and then I can catch up with him because he told me to follow him. Wow! I mean, this is a personal invitation from the Lord. Come, follow me. Join, join this, join this happy crew. Woo! Glory to God. Some things like that. It's not like that revolving door just keeps coming around open. This is once in a lifetime. So, long story short. He never had the garage sale. <laughs> He's just like, oh, I like my money too much. Uh, and so he had a lot of money. Uh, you, could, you could even almost reverse translate that money had him. So nothing, long with, nothing wrong with having wealth as long as it doesn't have you. If it's got you, that's called covetousness, which is actually a form of idolatry. So here's the thing. The, the, the apostles, though, when they were called, they did respond. The Lord said, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of, of Israel. Okay, that's heavy duty. And don't you know uh, that those guys are thinking, whoa, wow. You know, they're, they're each from a tribe. You've got a guy, that, uh, you've got 12 apostles. They're each going to be over a designated tribe. Wow, for you're gonna you're gonna rule over a tribe for a thousand years. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. That's a that's a lot to contemplate. While we sit here and eat our little fish lunch, oh wow, pass me another piece of bread, Simon. Wow, that's gonna be a lot of fun. Wonder which tribe you're gonna get. You know, it, I mean, it's just it, it's incredible. Now the Lord, how can we say took a risk telling them that, knowing that these things can. Uh, very, very easily inflate the heads of those that can drift towards arrogance, drift towards, yeah, I'm somebody now. I, I mean, there's some people, if you just give them a little, whoo, I mean, they can get lifted up in pride so easy. So the Lord, he let the cat out of the bag. Yeah, this is, your, this is going to be your, your reward for sticking with me, going all the way with me. You're each going to rule over one of the 12 tribes. So he continues, and everyone, that would include you and me, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Okay, so here's the clincher. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Then you go right into Matthew 20. But remember in the original, there there are no chapters, there are no verses, there's no chapter dividers. The Lord just kept right on talking. And so if you don't know verse 30, the last verse of that chapter, and you just go right into chapter 20, and you just read that without context, you could, I mean, you could make this mean you could make that parable mean maybe 15 different things, but it has one overall key meaning, and it's basically this. Many who are first will be last, and many that appear that they're actually in last place, when it's all said and done, you're going to be shocked to find out they're in first place. Woo! Woo! Glory to God. 
Glory to God. I, I'm just, I just need to tell you the world, the world's got it all messed up. I'm talking about the world system. You know what? You could have a great man of God who preached the gospel for 70 years all over the world, led millions to Christ. And when that person dies, it's not even on the news. It doesn't even make the evening news. You never hear about it. It doesn't make it. it does, it's not in one tabloid. Uh, you may find it in the very, very back pages of a, uh, of a magazine. But for the most part, you can have a person that the world would say uh, it's irrelevant. But yet in the eyes of God, that's, that's kingdom first. And so uh, you can have a great man of God die, and it's not mentioned. But you can have an old sinner who, you know, led millions to hell, maybe through preaching the gospel of the dark world through their music. You could have, you could have a rock and roll singer, you know, who just lived a life of sin and hedonism and, uh, you know, all kinds of, you know, sin, basically. And they die. And the whole world, oh, oh, you know, mourns and weeps and cries. And it's on every magazine every tabloid, every newspaper, all over the news, just talk, talk, nonstop talk, nonstop talk, as if that sinner who was first here is somehow going to be first in heaven? No. No, my friends. Many who are first will be last and the last first. How do you be first? How do you go into a place of being first? Well, you have to yield. Now, that rich young ruler in the eyes of the world, oh, he's first. Oh, yes. Why? Because in the eyes of the world, if you have fame and fortune, you're it. You're it. We'll write about you. We want to interview you. We got to get you on the show. We have to sit down and have a talk with you, and we need you to write a book. Uh, now, now, the person could be ungodly. Every other, every other word coming out of the person's mouth can be profanity and cursing and blasphemous language, but oh, if they got fame and fortune, if they've got money, oh, you're first, you're first. Mm-mm-mm. But as Jesus said, what does it profit if a man gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Well, Pastor Stephen, I, I want to end up first. First comes through yielding. You're going to have to yield to the will of God. The will of God is the Word of God. The more you yield, and the more you obey, and the more you pattern your life after the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, the higher and higher and the forward and the, the closer to the front that you get. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Now, the Lord has shared something very interesting with the apostles. You're each going to rule over a tribe of the nation of Israel. When I'm on the throne, ruling over the whole world and ruling over Israel, you'll each govern a tribe. Glory to God. So that's Matthew 19. Now you have Matthew 20. But just right after the Lord gives the teaching on the parable of the workers in the vineyard, you can already see that that statement, that revelation, that truth that Jesus shared with them about their future in what sometimes is called the millennial reign or the 1,000-year reign of Christ. It's kind of already going to their heads. And verse, excuse me, chapter 20 is to keep them grounded. 
and it's to keep you and me grounded as well because it's going to their heads. That's why you see in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, the mother of Zebedee's sons, James and John, came to him, came to Jesus with their sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom. That's, that's pretty whopper, right? So think of it like this. The Lord has already hit them with a the heavyweight revelation. Something so good that when he, he told it, it was probably beyond their wildest dreams. Wow, we're going to each be able to rule over a tribe of Israel. Wow. It had so gone to their heads that for these two, they're still not satisfied. They they still want more. And so, you know, the, their mother also is in on it and basically says, hey, Lord, I want my two boys not just to not just to rule over each tribe of Israel. They need to, one of them each needs to stand on your side, one on your left, one on your right. Wow. Jesus basically said as he shared some information, he concludes it by saying uh, that I have, he said, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. Okay, so he basically says, I, I can't grant that. But when the word of this got back to the other 10 and they heard what James and John had done with their mother, can you imagine what was going on? Because they were hot and that they were probably just, you know, like, Hey, you know, not only did you have to ask, I mean, come on, you got You got to go with your mama. Are you that much of a mama's boy that you, you got to get your mother in on this? I mean, I mean, those, those 10 were hot. They were very, very upset. They were very, very upset. And so the Lord has to share some more insight of how to be first and how to go from last to first. He said that, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. See, that's kind of what they were thinking. Oh, yeah, we're just going to rule a tribe. And James and John are thinking, yeah, maybe not just a tribe. We might just help him rule the whole planet. I'll stand on one side, and John, you stand on the other. Okay, yeah, good. Well, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Well, that's that's really different. And whoever desires to be first, nothing wrong with desiring to be first. But here's how you do it. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Wow. By the way, that's what ministry is. Ministry is serving, 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 serving. Pastor Stephen, ministry is glamorous. Ministry is serving, 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 serving. That's what ministry is. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Wow. Well, my friends, the Lord thought it was so important to bring balance that he gave a parable that is known as the parable of the workers in the vineyard with a little bit of a context now of what he said before this parable and what he said after the parable. Let's now jump into it and see if we can catch the hidden meaning 
that he wants us to understand. Verse 1, Matthew 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, a denarius is the equivalent of one day's wages. Okay, so however you make, however much you make in a day, $100, $500, $1,000, $10,000, however much you make a day, that can be your denarius, okay? And it says, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went again. He went about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found the others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right you will receive. Verse 8. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. You are a laborer in the vineyard. You are a laborer in the Lord's kingdom. Glory to God. And when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius wow. Hey, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more and they likewise received each of the denarius. Why? I, I would be thinking, sure, uh, we're going to get paid more than them. We've worked all day long and they just worked an hour. Okay. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner saying, these last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is it your evil eye because I am your or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first. Remember, this is a parable. Don't base your business practices on this parable. <laughs> so the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few chosen. Wow, that sounds a whole lot like the conclusion of chapter 19 and verse 30. Yes, it is. It's all in context. It's all in context. Glory to God. So the last will be first and the first last. Stop and think about it. If you went to work at 6 o'clock in the morning and you knew that if you work 12 hours, you're going to get paid the same amount as the guy that comes in at 5 o'clock, and he's going to work from 5 to 6, and he's going to get, the paid, he's going to get paid the same amount as you. Do you know what I would do? I'd show up at 5 o'clock, <laughs> right? I mean, why work 12 hours when I can work one hour and get the same pay? Mm, mm, mm. Hallelujah. So the last will be first and the first last. There's, there's the denarius. There's the pay. There's the calling. Regardless of what it is, the Lord's recognition and reward of that. There will be rewards in heaven, but you can't change your calling. You can talk to the Lord about it, but you can't change your calling. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Stop and think about that for a moment. Mm-mm, that's what he's going to pay. That, that You have a calling. That's what it is. You can't alter that. There's different rewards, but you can't change your calling. You need to obey the calling. Go do your work. Praise God and be thankful for your denarius, for your pay, for your assignment and your calling. Many are called, but few are chosen. Not everybody is going to respond to their assignment from God, but you really should embrace it. Why? That's where the blessing's at. That's where your denarius is at. And then when you get to heaven, then you get your full reward. Glory to God. Glory to God. Your future reward will be glorious when you embrace your calling and your assignment. Go to work, get the job done. Hallelujah. You know, many years back, when my wife and I were involved in Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International, I was the chapter president of a very, very uh, wonderful chapter. We actually met in the same city where the International World Headquarters were at. So because there were a lot of well-to-do businessmen, Christian businessmen that would come through town and visit there, we could always pull from that and get some phenomenal speakers to share their testimonies at our weekly lunch meetings. So I had a really good treasurer on board with me, and uh, he and his wife have both gone on to heaven. And his wife was a very gifted woman. She could really, really pray, and she could really, really hear from God. At this time, they were both in their 80s, and of course, this was over 20 years ago, so they've they've gone on to be with the Lord in heaven. Hallelujah. But the wife uh, had just incredible experiences with the Lord. And she told me about the time that she was caught up to heaven. Now, this woman was used greatly by God to give prophecies, give prophetic words, words of wisdom to uh, great ministry leaders. And it was uh, her ministry was very, very helpful. So she she would tell me some stories from time to time about her prophetic experiences. And she told me about the time when she was caught up to heaven. And she actually met her father in heaven. Her father, of course, had died earlier and had graduated on the heaven. And so she goes to heaven, and uh, she meets her father in heaven, her natural biological father. He was a Christian, a believer. And she said, you know, um, she said, uh, Dad, I want to I see where you live at. And he goes, okay. He goes, come on, and I'll, I'll take you to my place. And they went, she said, to a very beautiful uh, it, it was like apartment type. It was more like a townhome. She's trying to describe it to me, maybe like condo or townhome, not really like an apartment. But it was very, very nice, but it was more still just like a condo. And she was kind of like puzzled because she saw mansions, incredible, incredible mansions there that were beyond human description. So the fact was he still had a nice condo, but uh, he didn't have a, a mansion. By the way, she said it made her so happy that when she was there uh, visiting her father in heaven at his little bitty condo, that there was the family dog. And, you know, the dog had uh, on the earth had lived this life out and died. Well, the dog's in heaven uh, there uh, with her daddy in heaven there at his house. So she was so happy that when her time to go home would come, that her uh, her dog would be there in heaven. So that made her very, very happy. Nevertheless, she asked her father, she said, she said, Daddy, she said, 
I, I've seen some incredible mansions here in heaven. How come, how come all you have is a condo? Why are you, why are you living in a condo? And he said, oh, he said, he said, I never told you this, but the Lord, while I was on the earth, called me to be a preacher, and I never responded to his call. See, 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 remember, the Lord said, many are called, but few are chosen. They don't respond. Why are they not chosen? They just don't respond. Well, it seems like they're in first place to me. God's race is not over with yet. It's not over with yet. Here was a person on the earth who appeared that he was in front. But now that the race has ended, he ended up in a place where he could have been a lot higher. He could have been a lot higher. And he said, although the Lord, by his grace and mercy, of course, saved me with his blood, his shed blood, I put my faith and trust in him, I've made heaven. He said, nevertheless, I don't have a mansion because, because I, never, I never responded to the Lord's call. I completely abandoned and neglected a ministry that the Lord had planned for me to step into. Glory to God. So the last will be first, and the first last, for many are called, but few chosen. I don't like my pay, Pastor Stephen. I don't like my denarius. I don't think it's fair. But see, it's the Lord. It, it's the Lord who makes these decisions. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things. Whether he wants this person to be a businessman, this person to be a scientist, this person to be a school teacher, this person to be this or that or the other. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, you want to, you just want to do what God wants you to do. Years back, I was sitting down with a, uh, with a pastor this was a pastor that was on Christian television all the time, and uh, he'd always be on TBN. I mean, it, it sometimes seemed like every night he's on TBN. I, I was having lunch with him some years back. It was probably about 18 years ago I was having lunch with him, and uh, he and I, he'd take me out to lunch. One-on-one, -on -one, we'd just talk, have fellowship. He, he'd pour into me as a younger minister and help me out, and he said, um, he said, Stephen, I've, I had a remarkable encounter with the Lord. I said, what, what was it? He said, well, he said, I knew that I had caught a revelation in the body, uh, in, in the word of God on a subject that would be a great blessing to the body of Christ. And I was going to write a book on it. And I was, uh, you know, I was going to get ready to pull notes together and I was going to write a book. And he said, the Lord spoke to me and said, do not write a book on this. And he said, I told the Lord, he said, Lord, I, I, I know this. I, I, I know all the content. I have revelation on this subject, and you gave me the revelation. This will bless multitudes of people. And the Lord said, you're not the one to write the book. And my friend said, well, Lord, who is? And the Lord named one of his best friends, another minister who was one of his best friends, and said, he's going to write the book. And my, my, my pastor friend said, um, while he's talking to the Lord, he said, Lord, I, I know more about it than he does. <laughs> and the Lord said, you do, but he's the one that's supposed to write the book. And he said, Lord, what about me, though? The Lord says, I, I have something different for you. I have a different assignment for you. See, 
I don't know if you've been working from 6 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know if maybe you showed up at 5 o'clock. I just know that the Lord's got something good for you. By the way, this pastor friend that I knew, his friend did write the book. He wrote the book, and it became a national bestseller. I, I mean, it seemed like the book was just selling probably millions of copies, literally probably selling millions of copies. Everybody wanted a copy. It was the hot potato book, and uh, it took the church by storm. It was on it was on every media platform. The greatest book, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was, and it was a good book. I had a copy of it. I read it. I thought it was a good book. So he did write a really good book. But you know what? Guess who God is using today? The man that God said, don't write the book. Guess who's up to bat today? He is. <laughs> and the guy that wrote the book? Uh, he's not like really on the radar right now. Oh, still a great guy. I'm, I'm sure the book is still blessing a lot of people, but it it just hit like a wave, and it was a surge, and it blessed many many people. But um, it it's not like he's in that same limelight anymore. Praise the Lord, because waves can go out and recede, and then you wait for another wave. You wait. You look for another revelation. Glory to God. Glory to God. But right now. At a much later time, the man that the Lord told, don't write the book, he's, he's up the bat. He's it. He's, he's right up there. And it's really, really cool to see it. Now, by, by the way, he wrote a book, and the Lord really blessed his book as well. See, many are called, but few chosen. Whatever God calls you to do, you either embrace it and say, okay, Lord, I'll do this, regardless of what it is. You may feel actually like you're losing. Can you imagine what the rich young ruler must have felt? Hey, you mean sell it, give it all away? How am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to shop and buy clothes? And I mean, what am I going to do? Actually, what he was going to do was get on the new system. Ooh, <laughs> the Lord was going to get him on a new system of operating, a kingdom system. Who knows? Who knows what could have happened if he only would have obeyed the master? Oh, my friends, many are called, but few chosen. There are quite a few right now that seem like they're first. It seems like they're, do it, they're first because they're doing it their own way. Now, there are some first that God has established as first, but there's others who have placed themselves there through their own doing. See, the Word of God says, the Word of God says in the Psalms, very, very important about don't build the house unless it's the Lord's house. In vain do they build the house. There are some people that build things, and God never called them or told them to do it. When I'm talking about a house, I'm talking about maybe they did something because they thought it was good. What's well, a good thing? Let's do it. But God wasn't in it. God wasn't in it. And so they built they built something that was maybe, in, a, in essence, a monument to themselves. And the world applauds. Sometimes the church does, too. says, oh, that's wonderful. And the whole time, the Lord's not in it. And he cannot reward a person 
for disobedience. He will do all he can to bless and find uh, some means to uh, allow his blessing to connect. But the blessing is in obedience. Glory to God, even if it's take it all, sell it, give it to the poor. If it, uh, and that guy should have said, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to get an ad in the paper tomorrow for a garage sale. Man, this is going to be the best garage sale that's ever taken place before. Or whatever it might be, you know, hallelujah, glory to God. See, I'm not trying to be Billy Graham. I, I, I don't want to be Billy Graham. After all, if we're all fishing for fish, who's going to clean the fish once we catch them? Somebody's got to take the fish. Somebody's got to take the new converts and put the word of God into them. Hello, praise God. That's why I'm here. Hallelujah. To put the word of God into you. Oh, yes, people do get saved in my ministry. And I am concerned about evangelism. I want to see the lost saved, but I have a heavier, I have a heavier assignment of building up those who are already in the church, who need help, who need training, who need equipping, who need to receive light and revelation from the word so they can walk in victory. I mean, I mean, wouldn't it be miserable to be saved but still be defeated? You you know you're going to make heaven, but. What if you've got 70 or 80 years still out in front of you? Are you going to just be defeated for 80 years? No, you need to learn how to walk in victory, praise God. Hallelujah. That's why we all have different callings, different assignments, different anointings. Can't everybody preach? Somebody needs to play the keyboard. Somebody needs to operate the sound system. Somebody needs to work the camera. Somebody needs to build and produce cameras and uh, media equipment and all of these other great things and uh, cool LED lights and all of this wonderful stuff. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. There can be times it can seem like you're losing, like you're going backwards. But if you're with the Lord, I'm telling you what, you're walking with him. It's going to all turn out. Really, really good. Praise God. So stay, stay humble, stay happy, stay happy. Praise God. Because the, uh, the original 12 received that insight from the Lord. You're each going to rule over one of the 12 tribes. And th that so got to their heads that the next thing you know, even after the parable, the next thing you know, James and John, we don't want to just rule 12 tribes, we, uh, two of the tribes. We, we want to stand on your left and right. Yep, we're going to help you run the whole planet. Mm. And so the Lord is saying, the Lord is saying, you need to serve. You need to serve. Serve people, serve people, serve people. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There's a lot of people that are totally sold out for God. And the world thinks they're worthless. And God thinks you're worth more than gold. Hallelujah. Praise God. The world applauds the silliest stuff that in many ways is just irrelevant. Uh, actually borderline stupid sometimes. And the world says, yep, that's how you do it. That's how you finish first. And they have no clue that unless you change, you're going to end up in last place. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you even get in, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory to God. Praise the Lord. I think some of the people in heaven who are the highest rewarded are those who actually pray. 
A lot of this stuff goes on in secret. Nobody knows about it. I'm talking about the people that are praying for the president, the people that are praying for our country, the people that are praying for their pastor, the people that are praying for revival, the people that are praying for uh, the work of God to go forth. And nobody knows about it. They're not being uh, uh, congratulated. They're not being patted on the back. They're not having articles written about how holy they are or how much they pray. A lot of times people don't even know. You got you got you have women praying three hours every night for the spiritual well-being of this nation, and people don't even know. People don't even know. God knows. God knows. God can call a man or a woman to go to a foreign field, leave everything. And the person goes, not only goes, goes quickly, says, okay, Lord, I'll go. I'm, I'm on it. I'll get the passport ready. If I need a visa, I'll get it ready. I'll start packing. I'll start planning. I'm on it. And the world says, that's stupid. And God says, that's, that's worth more than gold. You're, you're, you're first place. You're going to be in first place. And I believe these types of people uh, that, that are serving the Lord in whatever capacity God has called them to do, because it's all serving. It's all serving. We're all working together. I believe when we get to heaven, it's going to be really, really good. Hallelujah. So come on, embrace your calling, whatever it is. Can everybody go? Some, somebody needs to stay back and work and make some money and send and propel the work of God. And you can, even if you say, well, Pastor Stephen, I'm not a millionaire. What can I do? Pray. Woo, pray for me. Hallelujah. Pray. Glory to God. And sometimes people belittle that, belittle that like that, that's no big deal. Man, that's, that is the deal. That is the big deal. Like that's some kind of a side room type thing. Though that is the main thing. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You're a laborer in his vineyard. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Stay humble in your calling. You have to be careful. You can't use your position. Even even should God raise you up and lift you up into a place of great authority, be careful that you don't use your position to somehow think you're hot stuff or you're going to have a fall. Even Peter even Peter, I mean, you read over in Galatians, what is it, Galatians chapter 2? Here's Peter, a Jew, hanging out, I think it was in Antioch. He's hang, hang, hanging out with the Christians there who are all non-Jews, eating with them. Hey, I'll take another BLT, pass it on over, having a good time. Hey, that shrimp, pass me another one, praise the Lord. I mean, he's... He's hanging out with the non-Jewish people, eating, and it says he's eating with them. And, you know, he's, he's, he loves them and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, Barnabas is there, uh, uh, even helping out because he, he came also. And Paul comes there and notices that when from Jerusalem, the big headquarters, when some of these guys are sent from Jerusalem under the authority of James, who is the, it appears that he's the senior pastor of the large Jerusalem church, when these men are sent from headquarters, and they show up there at Antioch, these are all Jewish men, highly religious, when they all show up, suddenly Peter, 
The Rock. He like throws all of his all of his non-Jewish friends under the bus and acts like he doesn't know them and doesn't even eat with them anymore and goes over here with his Jewish friends. Yes, let's wash your hands, make sure everything's kosher. And Paul said, I confronted him publicly in front of everybody. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm going to rule one of the 12 tribes. You better back off, brother. You know, you know what brings confidence is when you're right. And Paul's like, what you're doing is wrong. And, and, and Paul was just like, Paul said it was so bad that even Barnabas got swept up with it. He also was like, yeah, I don't know these guys over here. I, I don't know these, these um, you know, non-Jewish believers. We're, we're higher. We're higher than they are. I, I mean, Paul was hot. He was livid and confronted Peter in front of all of them. Uh, can you imagine Peter just like, you know what? You're right. You're flat out right. I've let the fear of man uh, influence me, and I threw my own brethren under the bus to impress these religious airheads. You know, I, I'm, I'm telling you, my friends, be very, very careful as you're working in the vineyard and that you just say, God, honestly, I'm just happy to be on the team. Lord, Lord, I'm just happy to be in the vineyard. <laughs> Lord, thank you. Glory. Glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Lift your hands. Father, we thank you that we are laborers in the vineyard. Hallelujah. We give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you, Father, that Jesus sandwiched this parable right between these two amazing revelations. That the apostles would be ruling over the 12 tribes, and they're already wanting more, grasping beyond their reach, not happy with their wages of their denarii, but two of them are wanting to rule the planet with Jesus. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we're in the vineyard working and our respected callings, and our respected assignments, knowing that in so many ways we're just a vessel, like this cup. It's just a vessel so that somebody can drink out of it. Oh, God, that really we're just vessels, and we thank you. So, Lord, as vessels, we yield to you. Use us and whatever assignment you have. Wherever, whenever you call us, Lord, we just say we're here. We're here. Happy. Happy that others are being used by you as well. Not jealous, but happy. Where we say, go, get your pay. Hallelujah. We're happy for you. Be blessed. Lord, rid us of a worldly spirit of competition that would be jealous when our own brethren succeed. Father, we thank you. <laughs> We thank you for the purity of the gospel. We thank you for the heart of the Savior. Oh God, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, regardless of how others would see us, even as others would kind of demean and look down and say, you're in last place. Yet they have no idea who we are, the price we've paid, or our service, much of which is even done in secret, 
But Lord, we know that you will reward. That day will come. And we're content. We're content knowing that you know that and that it's all going to come out right. Father, we praise you. We praise you. Now, Father, we thank you that many are called, but few are chosen. Let there be a response on behalf of your people to accept their assignment in the vineyard and the work and to work. Thank you, Father God. We give you praise. We give you praise and glory and honor in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Pastor Stephen, what's the best thing for me to do? It's what God has called you to do. Mm-mm-mm. And you do that, you'll touch a lot of people along the way. I think the world is looking for genuineness. Hallelujah. Not pre-staged stuff, not hyped stuff. Just be who you are in the Lord. And you'll touch a lot of people. <laughs> well, Pastor Stephen, you know, who I really am, I, I, I'm kind of silly. Well, be silly. Well, Pastor Stephen, you know, who I really am, there's a funny part of me. Well, be funny. <laughs> Just be who you are in the Lord. Glory to God. Have a good time working in the vineyard. Let's take communion together. Praise the Lord. I love Peter. I love Peter. God didn't make a mistake calling him first. When the apostles are listed, are, are, are listed, and it says, and first Peter, he could, he could really get off sometimes and do the wrong thing. But there are other times he just like, he, he was just so perfect for what God had called him to do. Nobody else could do it like he did it. Hallelujah. The Lord picked right, and he picked you right to do what you're called to do as well. He didn't make a mistake. Absolutely not. (laughs) Nobody can do what you do the way that you do it. Well, Pastor Stephen, you know, all I do is shell peanuts. If that's what you do in the vineyard, nobody else can shell peanuts like you can. This may sound like the craziest thing in the world, but when I was growing up, I saw one person shelled green beans. You, You do know green beans, they don't just come out like you have to shell them and get them out of the husk. I saw a person that could shell green beans. By the time I could do one, they could do 50. I I mean, just like, what is this, like a green bean shelling anointing? I'd never seen anything like it before. And I'm trying to shell green beans. I could fill up a little cup like this. By the time I've done this, they've done like something like this. Wow. Glory. Hallelujah. Thank God the person could shell green beans. Or I'm eating, I'm eating that for dinner. I'm talking like that, and that's got to serve 12 people. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I, I, I think you can probably do something besides shell green beans. Praise God. Feel good. Feel good. Come on. Feel good today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we bless this bread and juice. We consecrate it. We consecrate it. This is now the flesh and blood of Jesus. I love Peter. Peter was he was catching he was catching something. Lord, how often should I how many times should I for, should I forgive my brother who sinned against me? 
Lord, I'm going to show you how holy and religious I am. Seven times. He was probably thinking the Lord was going to say something like, Mmm, I see you're really getting deep spiritually now. That's way beyond three, Peter. Yep, you really have caught a revelation. The Lord says, Seventy times seven. And Peter just probably was just like, But see, he's still the only one that brought it up. He's at least willing to go seven times. Who? How many people that do you know they'll even go two or three? He's willing to stretch it to seven. And the Lord takes him somewhere he's never even been. Seventy times seven. In other words, just if they repent, hey, just over and over again. Let it go. Forgive them and let it go. Pastor Steve, I, I can't take this communion. I'm mad. I'm mad at somebody. They done, they done me wrong. Oh, yeah, just like we did the Lord wrong. <laughs> right? As if we weren't separated from God because of no reason. No, because of our sins, we were separated from God. And all of our righteous deeds were as filthy rags. Hallelujah. But yet the Lord saved us. The Lord loved us. And the Bible says, here's the wild thing. While we hated him, he still loved us so much that he sent his son while we were still in a position of we don't want anything to do with it. We, we don't want anything to do with it. Mm. Jesus hung on the cross and just, I mean, just said, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Oh, Pastor Stephen, he's just, you know, he's just, you know, kind of like being metaphorical. No, he's, he really realized they have gotten swept up in this thing. They don't, they don't even know what they're doing. And uh, the Lord is very merciful. My friends, you need to take communion. Let the Lord forgive you. Forgive anybody. If, if, if somebody's done something wrong against you and who hasn't been wronged on this planet, just forgive them. Forgive the whole thing. Let it go. Don't harbor any bitterness in your heart. Let's take the flesh of Christ. Father, we thank you that this is the body of Jesus. We forgive 70 times 7. A number representing unlimited forgiveness. Father, we thank you. We forgive. And Father, we choose to even bless our enemies. We choose to pray for those who would curse us, spitefully use us, lie about us. We pray for them. We bless them. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. We receive the flesh of Jesus and his strength to walk this life in his name. Amen. Let's receive. I believe God will do great things in your life. You realize that small things can be great things. Hallelujah. I really like St. Therese. They call her the little flower. Wow. She didn't live that long. She wasn't a powerful preacher. She didn't even really operate in signs, wonders, and miracles. But she discovered a quality of God, which is you can do little things, little acts of love, and these little things can have huge 
repercussions. You don't do it because of the huge repercussions. You just do it because it's the right thing to do. But you can do these little things, and these little things turn into major things. And she's one of the most beloved Christians in the world today. Millions and millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people know St. Therese and her little way doing little things. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You will do great things. Praise God. There, you can do great things, but yet people don't know. Mm. Praise the Lord. But yet in the eyes of God, they're great. They're great. Praise the Lord. The Lord watches everything. He counts everything. You will receive a full reward. Just be who God's called you to be. Keep working in the vineyard. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We forgive anybody who sinned against us. On purpose, we forgive them. We let them go. We, we let the... We let, we let the uh, the, the hurt, the pain, whatever go. We forgive them. We bless them. Father, we thank you. We ask that you would forgive us of our sins. We give you praise. Father, thank you for 70 times 7, unlimited forgiveness. Walking in the lifestyle of Jesus. Father, we receive his blood now. Let's drink. Praise God. Hallelujah. So my friends, again, remember the parable of the workers in the vineyard. This is not a, a treatise on socialism where we all just get the same pay. We're all going to make a dollar a day. We're all probably going to starve, but everybody is reduced to an equal level. And we all need to go out tomorrow and sign up for the Communist Party and let the government take care of everything, and we just all become robots. No, that's, this, this has nothing to do with that. This is a parable. This is not a blueprint of how to run your business. Praise God. So we extract the truth. We extract the truth. Hallelujah. And we are happy to be working in the Lord's vineyard. We give God praise for his wisdom to assign us to the right place, the right location, the right thing to do. God knows you, and he knows exactly what he made you for. Be happy in that calling. Be happy with your pay. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word and the truth of it. In Jesus' mighty name. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.